All right, let's look in our Bibles again at Mark chapter 14. And we're going to look again at Jesus' words to the disciples as he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. We're going to focus particularly, specifically on verse 38 and look at more detail of his wording here that is so important for us and is so full of meaning. Uh, In these words, Jesus gives us uh, some fundamental truth about uh, our lives here on the earth as uh, disciples of Jesus and uh, what we need to, how we need to understand the dynamics of uh, the spiritual battle that we are in so that we can be successful in being the disciples that Jesus wants us to be. And what he says here is very key to being successful at being a disciple. He's speaking these words to Peter, James, and John, particularly to Peter. As Peter bragged, oh, Jesus, I'm going to stand with you. I'll even die with you, uh, for you. And uh, he was full of big words. But then when it came down to uh, being challenged, Peter wilted very quickly and very weakly. And it's because he didn't heed and didn't understand the dynamics of what Jesus is going to talk, what he talked about here, what he said to him. Uh, when he was praying. All right, we'll read the whole text here, and we'll focus on verse 38. Then they came to a place which was named Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John with him, and he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch. He went a little farther and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Then he came and found them sleeping and said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, he went away and prayed and spoke the same words. And when he returned, he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. Then he came the third time and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? It is enough. The hour has come. Behold, the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. In verse 38, I think Jesus tells us that there are two very important benefits in prayer. Uh, The big truth here is about prayer. Jesus, before He goes to the cross, uh, goes and prays for a couple of hours. There is a huge lesson here about the importance of prayer for us. If Jesus uh, did this, how much more do we need to do this? We need to spend time in prayer Jesus spent time in prayer several times uh, to help him with what he was facing. And spending time in prayer is essential for us in being disciples, being successful, effective disciples for Jesus in what we face. And in verse 38, I think he tells us two important benefits that we get in prayer that we need. The first one is in his, the first phrase he says, states to Peter, 
and to James and John, he says, watch and pray. The word watch is a very important word, and it's a word that he had used several times just recently in the uh, teaching at the beginning of the week uh, as he taught, gave the Olivet Discourse about the end of the age, and he ended that up saying, if you can look back and see it in, in the chapter 13 there, he said in verse 33, take heed, watch and pray, for you do not know when the time is. Then verse 35, watch therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming in the evening at midnight at the crowing of the rooster or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to all, watch. Very important word, watch. What is the meaning of that word? I think the meaning of it and that he is stressing is that it is preparation. That we'll be prepared. He said, you watch for something so you're prepared for when it comes. In that context, he was talking about, in his example, was a, a thief breaking into a house. And uh, you're watching so you're prepared for when that thief comes and you can deal with him. If you're not watching, that thief can catch you off guard and you're not prepared. And Jesus likened that to his return and he said, you watch and pray for you do not, do not know the time of my coming is, the exact time, but you, if you'll watch and pray, then you'll be prepared for when it comes. So in that context, I think Jesus is speaking the same thing to Peter. And he says, watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The first benefit of prayer is that we'll be prepared for, for when the moment uh, and challenge of temptation comes, we'll be prepared for it through times of prayer. And I think that tells us uh, what we ought to be praying for and what we ought to be focusing on in times of prayer one of the very important focuses we ought to have is preparing for times of temptation and spiritual battle. And in our times of prayer, we're to be thinking about those and to be uh, uh, preparing for them uh, of what may transpire. I think that's what Jesus was doing as he prayed. He was praying about going to the cross and he was uh, praying about what all was going to transpire. And he was praying for strength as he faced that. And that's the preparation in prayer is that we are going to prepare for what we may encounter, especially if we know something is coming and we know we're going to face something. It is very important that we prepare by praying about it first. To not to prepare by praying says, I can handle this all by myself, God. I don't need you in, in, in handling this. I'm just fine. I can handle it. I've got this covered, which is exactly what Peter said just prior to this. Oh, Jesus, I'm, I'm all right. Everybody else may deny you and betray you, but not me. I will even die before I'll betray you, Jesus. And Jesus speaks to that one who said that, Peter, and says, watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. Peter wasn't prepared because he had not prayed. He slept. 
He slept when he should have been preparing. Prayer prepares us for spiritual situations that we will encounter. And notice how Jesus couples together the phrase, watch and pray. This is what we're to be doing. Part of what we're doing as we pray is we're to be watching. And, you know, that has basically they said, well, okay, we're watching out for something. But that's, it has a spiritual meaning. We're going to be thinking through what may happen, thinking through how we need to prepare ourselves. And we're praying about those things. And even praying and asking God to show us how to be prepared. Show us what the situation is going to entail or show us all of the dynamics about the situation. All of that's going to be what we're talking about and what we are praying about uh, as we talk to God. That's the preparation of prayer. And Jesus describes it as watching. Watch and pray. Lest you enter into temptation. There's a preparation in prayer that Jesus speaks about here. And we need that preparation. We need to be prepared. We're like Peter. Peter is an example of us. And in our flesh, we will be weak. And we need that preparation. And we need to be praying to deal with the things that we face in life today. As I said, the... uh, Uh, Corruption is overflowing in the world. It's everywhere. And you and I are uh, encounter it. And we need to be prepared through times of praying. And we need to be praying about that. And praying to be wise about things. In the sermon, uh, the Olivet uh, sermon, uh, particularly in Matthew's account, Jesus made the statement that he said at the end, when the end comes, that because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. And he tells us a spiritual reality there is that when there's all kinds of sinfulness around everywhere, it pulls people down. It pulls disciples of Jesus down and into all of the Sin, it can't have that pull, and we will get pulled into that if we don't prepare for it to stay strong. And Jesus, I think, tells us that uh, a lot are going to get caught up in that at the end because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. It will have an effect on them. It will pull many down, but it doesn't have to. It doesn't have to if we'll do this, if we'll watch and pray to prepare for entering into times temptation. Prayer is a preparation for us in times of spiritual challenge. Jesus, the cross was a a huge spiritual challenge. It, It was him going and doing battle with sin He was the sinless sacrifice and he was going to go and take that sin on him and die for it and defeat it. He was doing spiritual battle at the cross. And we do spiritual battle as we follow Jesus where we follow him and we say no to sin. We follow, we uh, think of the truth and we uh, believe the truth and choose the truth. That's a spiritual battle 
And we prepare for that through times of prayer. And the situation we see here, that may take some time. We may be talking about an extended amount of time. Um, I had said before, Jesus comes three times and talks to the disciples. And, I, and at first I said three hours, but I think more correctly, we would say two hours, at least two hours, because the third time is when he said, the soldiers are here, let's rise and be going. So there was at least two hours that he's praying here. There were times where Jesus prayed all night. The preparation prayer for spiritual battle uh, is more than just a two-minute prayer. You know, quickly said, and then I'm about my day. It is an extended amount of time praying to prepare for what lies ahead. And it is important to take time to do that uh, when we find ourselves in that situation. And on a regular basis, we do find ourselves in that situation. It's important to do this on a regular basis. Now, Jesus didn't spend every night in prayer. We can't physically do that. But there were times when it was important for him to do that. And there's times when it's important for us to make an extra effort to spend extended time in prayer so we can be prepared. Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The second benefit of prayer that Jesus then speaks about is the power that will come through prayer. And that is brought out in his Final phrase in verse 38, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And he was telling Peter, Peter, you need to prepare for this and you need to get prepared with a power. You need to get power to deal with this challenge because you don't have that power in your flesh. Your flesh is weak and you're in need of spiritual power in your life. And Jesus presents this uh, fundamental truth that there's two, react, two parts of us that uh, dictate uh, as we go about life of how things play out. And there's our spirit and there's our flesh. And two are the reality for a Christian. And there is a, there is a, uh, a battle in a sense between the two that our flesh is weak towards sin, and it'll always be weak towards sin. When, when a person is saved, there is a reality that their flesh does not change. They're always in their weak, sinful flesh, but now a saved person is now made spiritually alive, and they have the ability, the potential for the have power in the spirit over the flesh, but it's not an automatic thing. There is a constant battle and a choice between the spirit and the flesh. In you and I, you have a spirit and you have your flesh. The flesh is our physical body literally, but it also then is connected to our feelings 
and the feelings that we have in our flesh are the physical desires in our flesh. They're connected to the senses, the five senses of our flesh, the, what you see, what you hear, what you taste, and what you feel in your body. Those things are the entryway to what the Bible calls the flesh, which is your being that is that feels these things and experiences these things in your physical body. That flesh is under the curse of sin. And it is broken where it is pulled towards sin repeatedly and it's weak. Jesus said, your flesh is weak. It's weak to sin. And that never changes for, for the Christian. And we need to understand this. That flesh is not changed in salvation. When will the flesh be changed? That's the future. That's what will happen at the resurrection. That will be the final stage of our salvation. That's when the flesh will be dealt with. But for now, the flesh is not dealt with at all. It's not changed. It's the same. What is changed is our spirit is made alive. So now the spirit is involved in the situation. And that's what can make the difference. But it's not automatic. And that's what Jesus was telling Peter. He says, Peter, you've got the Spirit. The Spirit indeed is willing. You've been made alive. You've become my disciple. Your Spirit is alive. But your flesh is still weak. And it's not an automatic thing that you're going to obey me. It's not an automatic thing that you're going to die for me. And you better pray to access that power or you're not going to have it. That's exactly where, what happened with Peter, because he didn't pray. And so let's talk about and think about the spirit and the flesh and how, uh, what that means for us in being a disciple and follower of Jesus. Because if we do not learn this and do not learn how to live and uh, activate these things, We'll be just like Peter. We will be weak and vulnerable and powerless against challenges that come against us and just even the whole spiritual battle in the world. And Jesus told Peter through praying, you can have power over the weakness of your flesh. How does this happen? Well, let's go to Romans chapter 8, and we're going to see the Apostle Paul talk about these details and let that be the basis of how we understand this. Romans chapter 8 and verse 5. Well, let's start back and get the whole context. Verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation. And I think that word in the context is better understood in the aspect of defeat. But there's now no defeat to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So there's the statement of victory. And we can have power over it. 
We can be free from sin, like he said in John 8, 31, through the truth. Paul here describes it as the law of the Spirit. All right, let's go on to verse 3. But what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh or He defeated sin in the flesh. That the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So the key verse is verse 5, where he states practically how it's experienced. That those who live according to the flesh do something. They set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, what do they do? They set their minds on the things of the Spirit. And so he presents these two different paths that we can... Two different realities, life in the spirit or life in the flesh. And we're automatically in the flesh and it's weak to sin. And the way that we pull out of that is that we uh, are able to begin living by the spirit. And that sets us free from the weakness of life in the flesh. In a sense, it overcomes the flesh. So Paul says, if we can learn how to walk in the Spirit, we can have power that lifts us above life in the flesh. And that's the reality for the Christian. And that's where it starts. We, we understand this is the reality. This is the potential we have. Is that we are still in our weak flesh, but we now have the Spirit our spirits are alive and the Holy Spirit is connected to our spirit and we have access to a power now that we didn't have before. And so we realize first we have access to the power and then we need to learn how to then activate that power in our life and that's how we then live with this power over the weakness of our flesh. And so first we, under, we, learn, we uh, understand that this is reality, that when you were saved, when a person is saved, their spirit that was dead before, it was not in operation, is now made alive. That's what changed. When you repented and believed on Jesus, that's what changed in you. Your flesh did not change at all. Your hair color didn't change. Your eye color didn't change. Your desires and dreams and goals didn't change in the sense of those sinful pull. What changed was your spirit inside of you that you cannot see, but it's the real person of you. It's more real than even your flesh because your flesh will die and go in the grave, but your spirit lives forever. It's the real part of you. It's who you are. It's the eternal part of you. That was, that was not operating before. Now it was made alive. That's what died in Adam. That's what died in our lostness. Meaning that it wasn't operating anymore. It was unplugged. We can, it, it, there's a real parallel that we can understand from electricity that we use in our buildings with wires. Electricity comes from the power plant. And, and uh, that power is available there. 
but you won't be able to use it unless you have a connection to it. And that's the point of the power lines and then the electric lines that come up into the panel box that go to the lights. Everything has to be connected. And then you flip the switch on and you have power. If the line gets cut at any point, the power is available, but you don't get it because there's been a separation. That's what happened when we died in Adam. When Adam sinned, he, came, he became separated from God. His spirit was, the connection was broke between him and God. And then when he was forgiven, the connection got remade. And his spirit was made alive again. That's how he died. When, when the Bible said, when, or when, when God came to Adam and said, Adam, on the day you eat, you'll die. That's what he was talking about. That he died spiritually, which was the real part of him. He died in that instant. And the, separate, the connection was broken between him and God. And that's why he ran and hid. Because he was afraid. Because he became disconnected from God. And then God came and covered his sin. And uh, atoned for his sin. That then, this, this, and his flesh then came into the curse of sin. His spirit was made alive. The connection was reestablished. And that's what happened when we were saved. The connection was reestablished in our spirits where now we can live by the Spirit, but we've got to learn, though, how that works. And Paul tells us here in Romans 8, verse 5, how it works practically, and the very key element of it is our mind. Verse 5 again. Those who set their minds on the things of the flesh live according to the flesh, and the opposite then is true. Those who set their minds on the things of the Spirit live according to the Spirit. The key is where you put your mind. You have a Spirit, which is a very informative thing here. When Paul, in the previous chapter, Paul talks about the mind and the Spirit interchangeably. Repeatedly he talks about that. He says, with my mind I serve God in my Spirit. And so that tells me that our spirits are connected to our minds, meaning our brains. I don't know if we could say that our spirit resides in our brains totally or through our whole body. I would think our spirit has to fill our whole body because that's what really gives us life. It's when our spirit leaves our body is when we die. But the control center of our spirit is our brains. And where you put your brain, what you set your mind on is going to dictate whether you walk in the spirit or walk in the flesh. The key is where you set your mind. That's what Paul is telling us here. He says, so set your mind on the things of the spirit and you will have access to that power and you'll be strengthened to live according to the spirit, meaning what's right. If you set your mind on the things of the flesh, sinful things, you're going to be dragged down and you're going to then live in the flesh. You're going to go after the sins. What was the difference? Where you set your mind. That tells us a very important reality in our life that it's very important what we allow to come into our minds. It's very important that we guard our minds and what we see and hear and then deal with our feelings and how and what direction we go in our life. The mind is very important. That's why we need to be very on guard of 
things that are part of our culture and the technology, particularly with the, the computer and the phone and online, all that stuff. It, the devil is using that to corrupt people by bringing that into their minds. And we need to be on guard about that because that could really affect us. Because this is how it works. What you set your mind on is going to impact you. And if you set your mind on the things of the flesh, then that's going to pull you into it. And in your weakness, you're going to be pulled into it. The key is set your mind on things of the Spirit and you'll have power. And now we're back to what Jesus is saying. How do you set your mind on the things of the Spirit? One of the very practical ways is to pray. Praying is a spiritual exercise where you're setting your mind on God and on His truths. Verses of Scripture is a great thing to focus on in prayer. And you're then praying to God about following Him as a disciple. That's a spiritual exercise. That's the things of the Spirit. Praying is how you set your mind on the things of the Spirit. And as you do that, that's going to connect you then to the spiritual power of the Holy Spirit, which is like the power plant. And you're going to connect to that power. And as you connect to it, you could be filled with that power. There's one very important key to it, all that though, as you're setting your mind on it, what allows the power to really be unleashed in your mind and your heart is your faith. You've got to believe the things of God, that they're true and the things of sin are a lie. And as you, you believe that, if you really believe it, the choice becomes very easy. And you see, hey, this is the only choice there is. What am I even doing thinking about this other? That's where you get stronger and stronger and the power comes. That's what was played out in the garden there between Jesus and Peter. Jesus was praying and he was under intense struggle physically. And we talked about that last week where he was even sweating drops of blood. There was intense physical strain upon him with all that he was going through and he was praying for strength. He prayed for power, and through those times of praying, he got that power. As we read, Hebrews said, God sent an angel to strengthen him. And, and, God, and he was strengthened to go through that time of waiting and to go to the cross. Peter didn't pray. And Peter was then very weak. He had no power. Peter was saved. Peter had a spirit. The spirit was willing, Jesus said, but, the, but the, the, the spirit was not empowered over the flesh and the flesh controlled. And so this is the dynamic, how it works. It, that if we spend our time feeding our flesh with the sinful things of the world... We're going to be totally weak to it. We're going to have no spiritual power because that's what we're feeding. And there's a measure to that where we are exposed to the world. We're in our flesh. We are tempted. We're pulled. 
that shows the importance that we've got to pull away and we need to do what Jesus did. We need to get alone and pray so that we can get in tune with the spiritual power that's available to us to overcome the weakness of our flesh. It's through prayer that we access that power because we're literally setting our minds on the things of God, the things of the truth, and we are believing them that that's what is true. And as Jesus prayed, let's follow this to its conclusion. As, as Jesus prayed, he got more and more strengthened. He was strengthened with the, uh, the importance of what he was doing. Again, I, I, I don't want to make it sound like that Jesus was having second doubts because I don't think that's what Jesus was doing. I think that he was second guessing. He said, I don't know how we're going to go through this. I just don't think that's what Jesus was going through. But he was going through an intense struggle where perhaps he thought he was going to die prematurely. He was bleeding through his skin. Maybe he thought he was going to give out. He was praying for strength or he's praying for the waiting to be over for that time. He was praying about the struggle he was facing and he got that strength to have victory over it. He went to the cross. He was paid for all of our sins. He, he conquered it in power. He accessed that power. Peter didn't. And Peter then can't even stand up to a servant girl who's challenging him. Notice the language, a girl. This was a youth. He couldn't even stand up to a servant girl, a kid, who was saying, oh, you know him, don't you? He couldn't even stand up to that. That's the weakness that came out in his life because he did not pray. Because he did not set his mind on the things of the, of the kingdom of Jesus and, the, and he did not then have the understanding of what Jesus was about to do and the importance of what he was doing and how that was what would be victorious and that's what was so important for the, all the human history Peter had understanding of none of that because he did not pray. Therefore, he had the weakness. And so, praying, both reading the Bible and praying, is the two big elements of how we set our mind on God and His truth. Hearing from God and His truths and then praying back and talking to God about those truths and building up our faith in those things. That's how we build up our spiritual power that overcomes the weakness of our flesh. That's how we access that power. By setting our mind on the things of God through the activity of prayer. Now it's not the only thing, but it's, 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 it's one of the big ones. And it's very important. It's, it's kind of like, uh, okay, I think this is a good way to look at it. Kind of like uh, our physical diet. You know, like there's some, there's several different things we need to eat. Fruits and vegetables, and then there's protein and, and uh, breads. And the, there's all these food groups. And we get different things from different ones. If you just ate one, it's important. You got to have that one. But if you only eat that one, you're going to be deficient in other areas. You need a balance. Well, the same thing with reading the Bible and prayer, praying. We need both. And there's other things we need to do. But you can't succeed in being a disciple of Jesus if you ignore times of prayer. It's, you'll be deficient 
in that power if we don't spend time praying. It's one of the essential fundamentals. Reading the Bible, pray. And it's how we get access to spiritual power by setting our minds on the things of God, His truths. And if we don't, then the weak flesh that we have will be dominant. And it will lead us and direct us and we'll be a slave to it. But we can break free from that and we can pull, oh, get above that through setting our mind on the things of God and praying and find the power of life in the Spirit. And have the Spirit's power unleashed in our hearts and our lives. And if and I'll say this is a very practical thing. If you're dealing with a big challenge and you start praying and you just feel weak, you just, you just need to keep praying. Keep praying until God fills you with his power. And he will. It may take some time. As you pray and you believe, God will manifest his power in your life. But it may take some time. Jesus prayed let's say, at least two hours here. Sometimes we have to persist in prayer until that power comes. You say, well, how do I know when the power comes? We, it, with that power, the, the weak feelings you have will go away. You won't be dominated by the weak feelings anymore. Fear, evil desires, wrong desires, all those will fade away as the power of God comes into your spirit and it overshadows your weak flesh. Prayer is a way to get that power. It is one of the fundamental ways to have that spiritual power in your life is through times of praying. And we won't have that power any other way. For the spirit indeed is willing but the flesh is weak. So prayer is a preparation to prepare us for the things we're dealing with and the plans of God that are happening. And it also then is a access to the power we need from God to overcome our weak, sinful flesh. And that's why it's very important for us to have times of prayer. Get away and have times of prayer with God to be a disciple of Jesus. <clears throat> Peter learned that lesson later. And it was after, you know, and they were praying and it was a time of prayer with Peter leading uh, the, the disciples that the Holy Spirit came and filled them with power on the day of Pentecost. And then he went out and preached boldly to that same crowd, to the same people that he wouldn't stand up to before. He went out and preached Christ and was willing to die and later did. The difference was Peter began to learn how to access the power in the Spirit through times of prayer. Well, let's bow our heads and let's pray. May God give us understanding of these, these truths. They can make a world of difference in our lives. And you pray about that as we have this time of prayer. 
Lord, I pray You give us understanding of these, these truths, these dynamics that are true of our life and are so important, they're so essential to understand. I pray You give each one an understanding of it and uh, an ability to live these things out, to, to, to have the ability to know how to access this power and to activate Your power. Teach us Your truths to walk in your ways and help us to be. Give us power over our weak flesh and help us to be obedient servants for you, effective servants who, who stand up for your kingdom in this dark world. We thank you for your work in our life and your work of salvation that you are accomplishing in the world today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen.